and welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is a show where we take a K-drama, we watch it four episodes at a time, and then we get together here every week to talk about it. Yeah, this week we watched episodes five through eight of 18 again. Wow. We nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> ah, um, this show has taken... Many turns that I did not expect. We're oh going gosh. in a direction I didn't see coming at all. Oh, yeah. Uh, it it started out as one show, the first four episodes, and now it kind of feels like a different show. But both shows are very good. I'm enjoying them. I almost feel more comfortable with the second show. I feel I felt more excited with the first show, but I'm more comfortable with all the things happening in the second show. Mostly, I'm thinking Jung, da- Jung Da-jung's uh, love life has cleared itself up a lot from the first four episodes, and yes. I'm feeling good about it. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, that one teacher guy whose name I refuse to learn because he's trash. Uh, I know the the actor's name, who, and he's not <laughs> trash, so... <laughs> he's great. He's great. Um, so, actor named Lee Ki-woo... But character name. Cheo Kwan. Yes, you're right. Kwan. Do you want to jump into that? That's my rant. That's my planned rant. Okay, okay. I think we should jump. Wow, my voice cracked. We're going in hard on this episode. Going in hard <laughs> and fast. Uh, Raquel's 12 and a boy. Um, <laughs> going through puberty. And Emily. She's got heightened emotions right now. I do want to talk about it, I think, maybe early on, because... It's something that's standing out to me a lot, just how complete 180 he went from episode 4 to episode 5. It was that quick, though. I guess we could make a case for the fact that he used to be the school bully, and we maybe could have seen it coming, but they sort of implied that maybe he could have turned a new leaf, become a different person. But also, if we're going to rant about it, which I'm totally ready for, I'm ready to like bring that fire, I think it's a good idea to get it out here at the top, bring that, that hard energy, and end <laughs> on a softer energy. Why? <laughs> right in the middle of your word. Good job, buddy. Yeah, he's doing a good job. Okay, I'll rant for just a hot minute about Chael Kwan, because I was disappointed. I feel like... He is such a two-dimensional villain where he's just this mean-to-be-mean person. And I hate that. I think that's so bland. I think they could have done the same conflicts, but with a three-dimensional Chael Kwan. I think they could have had him kind of parallel the 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 bad boy they've got a lot of storylines going on in this show so there's like a bad boy and the class president who are in love with Shia so that bad boy plays basketball his dad's abusive i feel like they could have drawn a parallel where Chael Kwan kind of sees himself in that kid he was always like second best on the basketball team and he was supposed to be this big star but he always lived in Hung Dae Young's shadow and kind of resented Hung Dae Young for it. And then he fell in love with Jung Da Jung. But again, he was second best. So Hung Dae Young got the girl. And so he's got this like resentment. And he was kind of a butthole in high school. He was a bully. And then 
he kind of figures his life out. He graduates high school. He becomes level-headed. He's like, none of that matters. I'm an adult now. I'm going to be a teacher and like do for my kids what the system couldn't do for me. And then the system starts beating him down and he gets involved with this like college admissions scandal. And I feel like they could have played that storyline as him being like caught up in a bad situation, like a good guy trying to help his kids, but caught up in a bad situation instead of him being like just this dumb jerk who's like, no, I am very comfortable with all this money changing hands and doing parent-teacher conferences in pubs. I feel like they could have played it with him being so uncomfortable and being like, I don't know what to do to get out of this. It, uh, That's frustrating, and they could have had him, yeah, be pretty in love with Jung Da-jung, and once he sees this reincarnated Hong Da-young be his student, it kind of like, triggers all these buried emotions so and then he sees the kid he used to bully the ceo best friend character and he starts bullying him again pretending that he's dating the other teacher and he's like oh i'm such a jerk like why am i regressing like this why am i being mean to this kid that looks like hung de young and why am i being mean to this guy that i used to bully like why am i regressing like this i feel so dumb for it but i can't stop myself like I don't know why I'm like this I feel like that could have been so emotional and so such a mature like three-dimensional journey that we could have taken with Chael Kwan but they're like no he's just kind of a jerk to be a jerk Mm, we're fine with that yeah no I 100% agree with you on all of that which is to say the point you made that he doesn't have to be a good guy. We're not advocating for him a complete character change because we're, for whatever reason, attached to him. It's that he could have been a more interesting, layered, complicated villain than just he's a womanizer and wants money and for some reason became a teacher to do that. Uh, but he also <laughs> owns a club. But he also... It, and he collects bribes. Yeah. And he's also like harassing Jung Da Jung. Like he's not even I don't know what that storyline is. I feel like that's the worst of all of them. It feels the least um driven, where he's just like, Yeah, I'll take this bet to try and seduce a married woman. And you're like, Why? Just to be mean? He's like, Yeah, I guess. That's my that's my character. Yep. And then he turns around and says, never mind, which makes that even more confusing just because it feels fabricated, if that's the case, you know, just to cause almost senseless conflict in those first four episodes that didn't need to be there or not even necessarily senseless, but it just didn't go anywhere. So it feels, I don't know, it feels not necessary and yeah he is doing just as well being a villain in the sense of pressuring her to pay for her kid to be part of the basketball team and it was kind of interesting how I like that the one thing he did that he felt so good about was kind of misguided which is to say the story he told Da Jung about his knowing that her husband 
when he was younger, gave up and every single opportunity he could have possibly had to continue living his dream. And and it was because he needed to support their kids' medical issues, which is really beautiful. And uh, I definitely want to circle back to that storyline of her learning about that, but kind of more focused on him. But it was mm. so interesting how sure he was that he was, I don't know, making Young look bad, maybe? I, I'm not entirely sure, because it kind of backfired in a way, because it's the one thing Jung Dae-jung has learned about him in recent history that made her rethink her perception of who he's been as a father and husband. And I... I I think it's that is interesting. A villain who is so wrapped up in his own perception of the world that he doesn't even know when he's almost doing more good than harm, if that makes sense. See, so that felt lame to me. <laughs> like, it felt like fan service of like, we just want to tell you this story that will make Jung Da Jung cry and, and you will all cry with her because it will be the most beautiful, touching story seeing how close he was to maybe getting back to basketball and that he did try again. I think that was, yeah, something that we can talk more about later. But I feel like they just wanted the audience to know that story. And they were like, we don't want to just put it in a flashback. It's got to it's got to make people cry. So let's tell Jung Da Jung. And we don't know who can tell her this, except maybe Chael Kwan. So I guess he will in like a mean way. And you're like, it's not really mean to tell you that. It seems like a really nice story. So yeah, fell flat to me as like a villain moment. It felt like lame <laughs> to yeah. try and pretend that was a mean story. That does make sense as far as if we're trying to make him a villain. I think I'm glad though, even if it did feel a bit fan servicey. I'm glad that they included it somehow just because, do you remember last week in our episode we recorded when we were asking for more peppered in moments of Day Young being not the greatest so that we could see what led up to him oh, yeah. losing they his search that. Yeah, they went ahead and went hard in these four episodes with that, which is to say, I totally get it and I totally get where... Dajung is coming from, but it's really hard to have, it would have been hard to keep rooting for him if they didn't give us anything. If they hadn't given us that one very over-the-top story where he put his family so much first that he fully gave up on his dream in a way that Dajung didn't have to, right? She could come back to her dream. She was in a unique position where we're watching her struggle to come back because of society norms and society expectations and society being complete garbage. But even still, I cannot see... I mean, we can advocate for her because it's ridiculous to say there's an age limit or number of children limit on doing something <laughs> like an anchor job, right? Uh-huh. But it's a little bit different saying that he could go back and have a basketball career because that isn't realistic at yeah. the age of 38 that he could go ahead and just you know actually make that happen in any way so in a way 
I love that they took a look at, I mean, him kind of trying to do the same thing she's doing now, but in the end still having to walk away from it just because they had gone so hard on making sure that we knew exactly why she wanted to like wanted the divorce, which awesome. Good. I'm glad that they gave us a solid reason. I support her in that, but also they didn't make him a throwaway character or even a character who's only just trying to do better now, which is what he thinks he is. Mm -hmm. But he actually has always done good. It's just that he got really beaten down. And I think it's also really interesting to examine it from that point of view, which is to say he clearly has depression. It's not just alcoholism. It's not just missing his old life. It's he did not hesitate to give up his old life. It's that I guess almost that can't win feeling. Yeah. That continually drove him down in a way that his family wasn't seeing because he, in this case, for worse, I almost said for better or worse, he should have communicated so that they could have, you know, stayed on top of his emotional health. But he he hid it because he didn't want them to be burdened the way he was feeling burdened or to feel like they were burdens on him. Yeah. He didn't view it that way. It's just that he was handling it alone. He was handling giving up on his dream that he could never go back to alone. And it, it wore him down. And I, so I like the, the kind of over the top depressing story. I agree that maybe it was presented in a super weird way. I don't know. I don't have any backup suggestions on how they could have presented the story, but I did like it because it gave us more texture to him as a parent before the divorce. Yeah. And yeah, they've, like you said, they've done a lot more work as far as showing us the different sides of him, where he seems to be a great husband and a great dad some of the time. And then doing just a terrible job of both another portion of the time. And like you said, it probably shows this deterioration of his emotional health. But it's yet shows a lot clearer picture of why she wants the divorce and the separation and why his kids are so mad at him, why he doesn't have a relationship with his father. It's all making a lot more sense. And I think they did a really spectacular job of making him not a villain. He's still such a likable character, but not this perfect person who you're kind of confused as to why everybody in his life hates him. Yes. Yeah, that it does make so much more sense. And I do also think that, I mean, us sitting here reviewing it could have really good commentary on what... I don't know, because it's hard for me to not feel for him in a way that it's hard because I want to reiterate for like the third time how much I support Da Jung's decision to get out of a toxic relationship, especially after the things he said to her. But also, there's a part oh of me God. that is so like you want people with mental health issues to be seen and they're, she's finally seeing him. Uh, and his mental health issues specifically. 
which I think is is very good, but also it's one of those oh man, it's like as a viewer, it's so stupid because it we see more than the characters, obviously. But mm-hmm. there's that moment where you wanna say, No, reach out, he needs help. Don't give up on him. Uh-huh. Reach out to your loved ones that are struggling with mental health issues and and see if there's something that you can do to help. Also, she didn't see that. There she she had her own stuff going on, and that's also very relatable. I don't know exactly what my purpose was for this second half of the tangent I just went on, other than just <laughs> I love how complicated it is. I could talk about it for so long. I could talk about the mental health issues that they're bringing up for so long. And, you know, not necessarily who's in the right or who's in the wrong, but what could have been done, but also how understandable it wasn't done, I guess. I don't know. It's There's so much to it. It's perfect. That's why I like it so much. I think everything that we started off with, Cheokwan lacking has been put into almost every other character, especially this this family of four. They have such depth to each of the characters, and they're all so fleshed out. And I think it's been really wonderful to watch mostly the two parents kind of go through the different stages in their relationship. Can I also say real quick, just going to throw this out there in a very inappropriate place. Lee Do-hyun is the guy who plays the main character, the 18-year-old uh, Ko Woo-young. Oh my god. He is maybe the best actor I've ever seen because he's able to go from this like naive, basketball-playing high school kid to this young father who's trying his best for his family and is constantly beaten down by the system to this 38-year-old in an 18-year-old's body who's just trying to get by and figure out what his purpose is. And you can always immediately tell which character he's playing just by his facial expressions and his, his body cues. Like, he is doing an exceptional job in this role. Yes, he is doing the most. I love it. I'm here for it. He's an incredible actor. I love him. So, yeah, I I think he brings a lot of the depth to this character, which is everything I want to see in any character. And I've, yeah, I love watching them learn about each other. And like you said, I really want them to get him help. I really want them to get Hong Dae Young some help. It's so hard. That's the hardest aspect of the show. I think maybe I said it last week. I really wish he just like, switched back and forth spring turns to spring style and would sometimes be his 38 year old self because it's killing me that he's having this emotional journey and feeling so much closer to his kids and his ex-wife and they're constantly like dad's in busan just absent again and i'm like no (laughs) stop hurting me he's not absent i promise he's right there He's been here the whole time. Yeah, it's so, (laughs) it is, it's so painful to watch them not know. It's, Mm -hmm. I can't even, they, I mean, they have to by the end, right? Because I feel like she will definitely have to know. But I think something that would really disappoint me 
is if by the end of it, his kids also didn't know and he had to re-earn their love, I guess, or their affection, not necessarily their love. I think they love their father, but I think that they have very little affection for him after seeing his downward spiral. And as children, especially, they shouldn't have to be the ones to be like, dad needs help. So they're off the hook. Um, yeah. But it is, it's so hard to imagine a situation in which for example, yeah, they go back and he has to keep hiding it from them, but he has all of these beautiful moments where he supported them and was there for them, and they genuinely don't feel like their dad was present at all for a huge chunk of time that was pivotal for for all of them. <laughs> I just... I hate Can't deal that. with that. Yeah. yeah. Oh. It has to happen. That has to be part of the finale. Because, yeah, it's so much of the show is him bonding with his family again. And you're like, if this is just one-sided, I will not be happy. It has to be all of them knowing that they bonded together. Yep. Come on. And that he's a good dad who cares deeply for them and wants the best. Because, yes, it is. it's getting increasingly difficult even knowing why his family is mad at him and why his wife left him, even knowing those things, it is getting more and more difficult to watch them say things about him like, yeah, I don't know, he's just never here when we need him, and he's just a dumb alcoholic, and it's like, Ooh, yeah, he is an alcoholic, but like, he also has pr pretty severe depression. Uh-huh. Uh yeah. Oh, it's so hard not to, like, clap back in your mind. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sorry he wasn't there for you. He was, it seems like he was at work a lot, getting beaten up by his customers and not paid. How many people in Korea <laughs> are just like, yes, I would like a repairman to come out and I will not pay them. Get yeah. out of my house. That feels like the most fictional aspect of this show, for sure. I hope. It I can't. Hurts I my just hard to think it could be real. I just can't imagine a situation in which uh, that works. I guess, which is to say, I can't imagine. I mean, your dad has done. He's owned his own business as a repair person, and if someone did that to him, I'm pretty sure he would say. All right, well, I guess I have to take you to court because you can't just not pay me. Yeah, but it's never happened to him because that's an insane thing to do. Yeah, no one would do that. But I feel, yeah, oh, like, like if like one maybe person after 10 did. years, one person would do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there would be one garbage person where he'd just say, okay, yeah, I guess I just have to, you know, eat this expense and not get the You're bad review. You're blacklisted. Yeah. Like, as a customer, we're not going to send repair people to your house anymore. Yep. So good luck. You might run through repair people pretty quick, but, you know, on you. Yeah. Oh, it's so frustrating to watch. That and freaking everybody being obsessed with Jung Da Jung's life. They're like, a news anchor has to be a public figure. They have to be an outstanding citizen with zero personal life happenings. And I'm like, I literally 
I watch the news like four times a day. I do not know anything about any of the newscasters that I watch. No, I have no clue. What I I don't watch the news that often, but I think I'm pretty average in uh, just general status. Uh, I I mostly read my news. Uh, I don't really look into the journalists other than just you know maybe checking their credentials if I have questions about you know sources and stuff. Um, I do not know any anything. I do not know the family situation of my news anchors that I that are on the TV. I do not know. Uh, I know that some of them have been anchors since they were in their twenties, and now they're in their forties or fifties, which is impressive. That's a long career. Good job, guys. <laughs> That's all I know. Yeah, I think probably my favorite is John Oliver. And I literally only know that he's married. That's all I know about him. I don't know if he has kids. I don't know where he lives. I don't know what he does in his spare time. People, these high schoolers are talking about Jung Da Jung as if they know and care. Like, is there not other things to talk about in high school? Literally nobody. I, I could see it being a story for like six minutes. Being like, oh, did you hear she has parents are getting divorced? I could see high schoolers talking about that because high schoolers are mean. But I feel like that's that wouldn't last past first period, you know? Yeah, that would just be a thing that happened that maybe someone could use as fodder against the twins for a minute. And then everyone else would be like, yeah. So anyway, also, this person's parents got a divorce, so... I feel like they immediately start talking about the basketball team changing their starting lineup. Oh my gosh, that would be way bigger news. Or I, there's so many things. There's so many things that are that's way bigger news than an anchor person's personal life. That's another very fictional aspect. The going back in time thing, totally believe it. Or I guess de aging thing. One hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred. I'm here for it. <laughs> I feel okay. I feel like this person, this stalker character who's taking pictures of Hong Dae Young as his younger self that they are like giving you a little little wink wink, something's happening there. Yeah, that has sure. to be the explanation at the end, right? Yeah. It's not just going to be some weird fall flat storyline. I hope not because we for sure forgot to mention that in our last episode because they barely 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 hinted at it in the first four episodes so when we recorded that fell to the wayside so that we could talk about whatever we talked about last week i don't know i have terrible you know short-term memory um (laughs) but i this week we have to talk about it right because i just don't understand who's following this kid around the only thing i can think of a person that would be taking pictures of someone who just happened to be de-aging or whatever, catch that on camera somehow, maybe, perhaps, is, would it be the guy who de-aged him that maybe sent a detective or something to see if he's changing his life? Did he? Yeah, because it was like this hint that maybe it was the grandpa with some magic tea who helped him turn back the clock. I think 
I know that it just makes me a simpleton. I think I would be fine if they just ended the show with like last episode or episode 15. He goes back to his 38-year-old self, starts repairing his life, whatever that looks like, and then they never explain it. They never explain what happened. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? I'd be fine with that. I'm not ready if they're like, if this stalker character turns out to be like a scientist who's like, let me tell you about the the Earth's electromagnetic forces that caused the lightning strike that made it so that just you turned back your freaking cellular turnover. I I don't want him to do it. I yeah. don't want him to try and make this science. We don't need to know. I could also maybe, maybe see it being a situation where someone watched it happen. Like they were watching him play basketball. I just, that adds a whole new level of complication because then I would start to feel like we're supposed to know who it is. And if it's just some rando character that's out here with the time and the day to follow around this magical de-aging guy, then that also feels like a lot to just introduce a completely new character to do this one thing for, I guess, the big reveal or something. I feel like, so obviously anyone can paint their nails. I think it's dope when men do. I think they're implying that it's a woman because she has painted nails. Can we just say it's probably uh, Shia's friend, Boba, Boobaba, <laughs> Boobaboo. I don't know her name, but I think it's so fun. It is. It's a really cute name. I think it's her. I'm going to say it's her. Okay. Um, That's my guess. She saw him change, and now she's been stalking him. I think it's someone from... The first episode that maybe I we just forgot about or something. Because I'm wondering if it's someone who also was de-aged or someone who was looking into the guy with all the books about turning back the clock who gave the sketch tea that definitely was mm-hmm. the reason that we were able to de-age. What if it's what if it's Kowu Young and it's like a Freaky Friday situation? It's not that he aged backwards. It's that there was just another person who looked a lot like him, and he took their body and then he painted and their it, nails. And they then, painted, yeah, the new Hong Dae Young painted his nails and is walking <laughs> around as a thirty-eight-year-old man who's like, "I don't want to be this. Thank you. I would like to be my young self again. Please, Freaky Friday, reverse this." Yeah, I feel like maybe my theory is that they mentioned someone at some point around the time he was at that guy's house. But I also love the Freaky Friday theory. I do love that. I do love that. (laughs) Um, I also love the idea that it's just a high school student that happened to be there and now has they're the only people that would have time to just follow Mm -hmm. him around and take pictures of him later after school. So... Yeah, I don't think I would have thought of that, except that you said maybe someone at the gym just watched him change and was like, what the heck? You don't think it's um the one, she's not a teacher, she's the one that his friend is in love with, Miss Ock? Kayin? Ock Kayin? Yes, I think that's her name. Isn't she a teacher? She's the homeroom teacher. Oh, she's a homeroom teacher? I thought she was just like an office aide. 
Oh, no, no, no. That's why they always go to her when the kids are in trouble, because she's their homeroom teacher. Gotcha. That makes sense. I was just like, yeah, she's in the office, because that's her job, is to be in the office. Um, your explanation is way better. That makes, that (laughs) tracks. But yes, I, I, cause she's just kind of floating around being a weirdly big part of the show, despite not doing anything really other than just being pretty. Being like a love interest. Yeah. I'm okay with that. If that's just it, uh, especially since they gave her this pseudo tiny storyline of being a gamer where I'm like, yes, I'm very into that. I'm super into shared interests and the fact that maybe she's going to fall in love with the CEO, not because he's rich and persistent, but because they actually have something really cool in common. And she really likes that. Though, as like a, as like a former teacher, though I think most people can relate to this, I do think I would have a hard time falling in love with anybody. No matter how much they were into my interests, if they, I met a man and he was like, I freaking love K-dramas. And I was like, I might be in love with you. I might need to marry you. I don't know if I could if he was like, my son has a drinking problem. I might be like, your obsession with K-dramas has gone to the point where you are ignoring your child's drinking problem. And I think maybe we like K-dramas at a different level. Maybe I like gaming to a healthy amount. And you like gaming to the amount that your son has been neglected and is now drinking. Yeah, is turning to the bottle to solve his loneliness. So I think I can't (laughs) appreciate how much you game. It might be too much. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's too much. Um, Also, do I have to do a feminist rant every episode? Or like, (laughs) do you want me to chill? Or is it okay? You're invited to. Okay, I'm going to podcast. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and just go off on the fact that we only stop pursuing women when women have a significant other. Because they're not allowed to just not be interested. And he didn't even believe her. Like, not only is it terrible to have to say, I have a boyfriend, that's why I don't want to date you. But then he's like, no, you don't. I don't believe you. Oh, this abusive monster says that you do but he's a man so i can trust his opinion uh yeah sure i hate him i don't trust him one bit but he's a man and i don't want to sleep with him so i'm gonna go ahead and say yeah he's right i trust it what ah why do you like this it's the most upsetting storyline of all of the storylines. It's the most upsetting the way that we just continually in media normalize not, first of all, persistently pursuing women because they obviously don't know what they want when they say no. They uh, they could not possibly mean it. Uh, not believing women. Yeah. yeah. No, and we don't believe them. We don't trust what they say. We We have to hear it from a man. So if she says she has a boyfriend, first of all, she's lying. Second of all, if you're more persistent, then maybe she'll just fall in love anyway. Third of all, uh, oh, her boyfriend's here? Oh, okay. Well, then I guess I believe that I, I'm going to go ahead and trust the things she was telling me that I wouldn't before. I just, okay. <laughs> it is what it is. 
go home. Stop doing this. You can pursue women in a very normal way, but you're not doing that. What you're doing is harassment, and I don't like it. And it's not romance, and it's not funny anymore. I'm over it. I get that. It kind of wasn't ever funny, but we used to get away with a lot more stuff uh, with comedy before, you know, Me Too and everything. And now I'm just ready to say, no more. Let's not do it anymore. Let's not even try it anymore. Let's believe women. And yeah, like you said, just stop normalizing all this behavior. Because in the media, it's so much easier as an audience member to see that maybe she is having a change of heart. Maybe she is starting to like him. And you're drawn to that. You're like, that's really cute. I like that they're going to end up together. But that's so problematic when the beginning of the relationship is eight solid episodes of him just harassing her. And you're like, hey, what if we had a different start to cute relationships? What if Uh, she said no and he said, okay, that's fine. And then something else came along that showed her that maybe it was okay to, to, or maybe she wanted to ask him out, you know? And then she said, hey, do you still want to go out? Have y'all ever seen Pride and Prejudice 2005? Yeah. <laughs> I assume all the Pride and Prejudices yeah. have this in common. Including the book. <laughs> but, you know, the 2005 edition is the best one. No offense, Jane Austen. I'm sure your writing is great. I just can't read. I'm illiterate. But, like... Who has the time? Mr. Darcy accepts when Elizabeth says no. And he's like, I got you. I'll walk away from this. And then it takes like freaking years because it's old timies for them to, you know, interact enough, have enough non-flirtatious interactions for her to be like, I might be comfortable with approaching a relationship again. What's up, Darcy? How old is that book? And we we still need these lessons? Yeah. Um, we just, for some reason, when, you know, men write about romance, they write about the, you know, idea that maybe if they just try hard enough. And it's, yes, it's a deeply perpetuated thing. It's that thing where when a little kid says they got rejected by their crush and the advice is always... Well, keep trying. She'll come around. I mean, do you know if a man wrote this show? I don't know. I just made that up on the fly. (laughs) I do feel like I I think it's something that all writers struggle with. I'm going to say men and women fall into the trap. As a viewer, I'm falling into the trap. I am enjoying watching her slowly come around to his persistence. And I think it takes constant reminders to be like, no, this is not a good way to start a relationship. Let's think of a different option. Because, yeah, it's cute when they get together. So your brain just kind of turns to mush and is like, let's let's replicate this. Let's do it again. Tried and true. Just the persistence storyline. That's an easy one. Yep. We'll, do, we'll go with what's worked in the past. It's a secondary romance anyway. Yeah, I don't think that's a trap that only men or only male writers fall into. Because yeah, I can lot- see myself falling into it 100%. You're a lot more forgiving than I am. I'm ready to fight the patriarchy and, you know, sometimes... I'm ready to fight the patriarchy, just not all men. There is also... <laughs> if we're going to talk about societal frustrations, 
which we continually have to with this show, because again, one million storylines. Another storyline that they throw in is Ye Ji-hoon, the baseball player, having a daughter, and how horrifying and disgusting that is, how nightmarish that could possibly be for a man to have a daughter. Like, I can see his closest friends, his baseball boys, being like, hey man, I'm pretty sad that you didn't tell me you had a daughter. I feel like that's a secret we could have shared. But literally everyone else, get off his back. Get all the way up off his back. But instead he's like, I have to have a whole press conference and tell everybody that my brother died. Thank you all for coming. I'm so glad that, for one thing, nobody reported on this Major League Baseball player's brother dying. I feel like that would have maybe made the news. But also, nobody knew that. And it's way more important that he come out and say that so that people don't think he had sex. Because what if he did? Because how dare he if he did? And can you? And what happened to the mother? Where's that hoe? She better be dead as well, okay? <laughs> She better be freaking dead, because otherwise we will vilify her in the media. Like, yep. you guys need to chill all the way out. It's also pretty disgusting how accurate to real life the showing up and taking pictures of the people's, uh, of his child when she was getting off the bus. I, it's creepy. I just, so I remember, like, hearing a news story that I did not read about that happening to some celebrity couple's new baby recently, Aww. where they were like, we gave no one permission to have pictures of our child, to take pictures of our child, to be anywhere near our child with a camera. And we certainly uh, did not give you permission to make money off of that, and we'll sue you. And it's so sad that they have to do that, that someone has to go to bat for their infant because society feels so I, I don't know entitled to people's personal lives that they even feel entitled to pictures of someone's children like that's dark that's so dark Ew. yeah it's something that I've been grappling with a lot lately because obviously I have an infant and you have to make the decision quite quickly whether you want to put pictures of your kid out into the world and that's something that I'm not doing. I'm sorry to our fans who probably wanted to see her. She's a very cute baby and I'm sorry to not share her but she is her own person and has not consented to her pictures being shared online so we're gonna wait until she can make that decision. Yeah, If we're still doing this podcast when she's cognizant of you know, all all of that and what it means, for sure, 100%, we can be like, hey, this l little baby wants you guys to see her face. She's, she'll probably be like a kid by that point, you know, kid, teenager. Can you, what if we were doing this podcast? Yeah, when she was 20. <laughs> what if we were just these little ajumas doing a podcast? I mean, I'd only be 45, which still feels fairly young in my eyes. Like, that's pretty young. Maybe it's just because I'm pretty young now that, like, forever feels young. Yeah. I'd be 48. I'd be pushing 50. Oh, dang. So, like, dead. Yeah. yeah I'd like, be literally dead. One foot dead. in the grave. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
put your affairs in order. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, maybe, yeah, we just grew up with, like, grandparents who live for a very long time and people telling us that we're going to live for so much longer than them even, so it's easy to be like, 45, 50, 60? These are nothing. These are nothing to our generation. The only difference is I may or may not have enough money to have work done. So I may or may not look 50. <laughs> I might even look I, 50 years old, like a 50-year-old who's had work done, or like a 50-year-old. <laughs> I mean, I thought you were going to say I may not have money to survive in America with oh, the yes. current healthcare system. Also which is <laughs> so much darker. That's but also truer, even truer. Let's see if we can make it to 50. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, man. That reminds me of like 16 different stories, but we don't have to get into the American healthcare system right now. No, we got to wrap this up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> should we should we fly through some of my notes? Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy, howdy. We have not done a good job. Okay. Episode five. The only note that we didn't hit on is regret is the dumbest emotion, which I stood by when homeboy was yelling at his wife that he regrets their whole life together. Don't be regretful. There were your choices and you made great choices. Stop living in regret, aka stop being depressed. It's just that easy. Um, Until we came around to his dad at his wife's grave being like, I regret not supporting my son more. And I was like, oh, dang. Now I feel like regret feels more like a valid emotion. They showed me. Yeah, I think in that case, it actually is okay to have those. I mean, it sucks. Like, no one wants to have regrets. I get the impulse to say, let's let's excuse regret from the room because it feels like there's nothing much we can do about it. But also, yep, in that particular situation, can't really excuse it from the room. A lot of years have passed. Ugh. Um, episode seven, we never mentioned that Aideen found out that um, Hong Young is in a, a boy's body. Oh, yeah. She's Thank the God first. for that. Yeah. She's the first that's not his friend that he told. So. Yeah. I'm excited because it eliminates that little storyline where she's kind of in love with him. Yeah, that was getting worse. That was just going downhill. Remember when her friend tried to advise her that that's an awful idea? And can you imagine if someone had a crush on my underage son? Wouldn't we both want to, like, kill that person a little bit? Yeah, wouldn't we both be super mad about that? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, yeah. Glad that's over. Yeah, that's over. But then she immediately tells Chael Kwan, which... Come on, Aideen. It's been like six minutes. Mm-hmm. You can't keep a secret for six minutes? You can't stop yourself for six minutes from going and finding alcohol and blab-facing everywhere? Come on. Please. Um, That's just frustrating, but it doesn't really feel like a point worth harking on too much. Yeah, they had to further the storyline somehow. I get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um... <laughs> When the basketball kid, the the bad boy, 
starts getting beat up by his dad, and then Wu Young is like, "Hey, just rise above that. Don't don't do something you'll regret." I was like, "But maybe he could kill his dad." What if he killed his dad right now? Oh, if he killed his dad right now, I wouldn't be too mad. That's self-defense. <laughs> um, so I went to a dark place pretty yeah. fast. That's that one's so tricky because I did not expect them to make his character likable and make Ilquan unlikable. Right. Um, that kind of ties into what we were saying before. It's just more specifically while looking at uh, the young bully and how interesting it is that they gave him those layers of, you know, there's a reason he's a bully and he's trying to rise above it. And also he, yes, I guess does have a crush on the daughter, which that's interesting just because everyone thinks that he has a crush on his daughter, but obviously they don't know it's his daughter and that's super weird and we hate Uh it. Um, but then you add in him essentially very clearly approving of the one boy that has a crush on her, uh, that grew up with her and yeah, the class president. Yeah. And he's a good boy and has a really sweet relationship, a surprisingly sweet relationship with Day Young, uh, having lost his own father and having Day Young give him some good boy talks. Some good father-son talks, which is super sweet. And so clearly he's kind of in this kid's corner to a certain extent. There there have been moments where he's like, okay, yeah, that's fine. They can hang out. Uh-huh. Um, but I guess I'm just confused about, first of all, setting up like a crazy love square trapezoid, but like including... A, an undercover super spy father. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a lot. It's almost <laughs> as complicated as what they were doing in the first four episodes with Dajun. So it might be more complicated. I'm just simplifying, I guess. Yeah. But maybe just like Jung Dajun, they will clean it up a lot more quickly than we expect. Yeah. We'll see. Um... Episode 8, I said, make your move, I guess, Ye Ji-hun, because he does the classic pull Jung Da Jung out of the way of a speeding, I don't know, motorbike. And uh, instead of just, like, dipping her or, you know, just, like, grabbing her out of the way like a normal person, he goes full-on bear hug. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, wow. Okay, I guess we're hugging now. And then he does not let go. And I don't know. It just feels a little bit fast. It does. I like Jihoon. It's interesting because I was thinking about how much I would love a spinoff show (laughs) for him. To see him fall in love with someone who, you know, could really love him back. Because I just get the feeling that this isn't going to end well for him. But they've made him an incredibly likable character who I want to see happy and supported in whatever way, you know, not everyone needs romance to be happy, but he's clearly interested. Yeah. I think last episode we said we were both rooting for the parents to get back together. Mm -hmm. Honestly, after the divorce was finalized, I was like, okay, I'm team Jihoon, 100%. I think they should end up together. And 
Dae Young, again, should be supported through a mental health journey where he gets the help he needs and is able to be part of his family just in a different way. Yeah. New new family. A modern family, if you will. A modern family, if you will. We'll trademark that. That's cute. <laughs> Last notes. One, Young's mom is so freaking cute. I'm so sad she's dead because she is the cutest person I've ever seen. The cutest, sweetest person. And wow, I was I held it together through most of all of that storyline up until the end of the final episode. Mm-hmm. Or, well, I call it the final episode. We all know I'm talking about episode eight <laughs> when I say the final, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That and Shiwu is the best hugger. He gave the cutest hug to his basketball friend. Oh my god! Hey, bud. I was a little concerned for him just because I was like, like his uh, clearly, Wu Young was in shock for whatever reason, and Siwoo didn't know uh, why, which that tracks. But he just kept hugging, you know. He just kept hugging him. He stayed in there. He stayed in the game. Oh, that was almost weird. But yeah. like really cute. Obviously they were like, we'll play it up. We'll we'll throw some flashbacks in so you're distracted about how long this hug is. It's so long and in a way that kind of made it longer because we were then going through all the <laughs> yeah. flashbacks while he was continuing to not hug back. And that was when it started to get a little nerve wracking where it was like, okay, this boy's putting his heart on the line. It's like his platonic heart, but he, it's out there. He's uh-huh. putting it out there on the line. And what you're doing right now is just leaving him hanging. Yep. This is the unanswered <laughs> high five, but worse. Yep. But so much worse because she was putting his all into this hug. Oh, it was very cute. Um, if you subscribe to our Patreon this month, you will get a hug from Shiwu. <laughs> we'll just put that on the tears. <laughs> we'll that work it out with his people. We'll, we'll get in contact. <laughs> But yeah, the resolution where his dad finds out that he is himself God. What if I used a name here and we could tell people who I'm talking about? That Wu Young is Dayang? Is that yep. right? Are those the right names? Those are the right names. You're nailing it. Dope. Those are two of like three I have down. <laughs> When when Grandpapa finds out that Wu Young is Dae Young, that's that wrecked me. Yeah, very cute. Yeah, I held it super together until the point where, yep, he started speaking some good, good, sweet sign language, reminiscent of his sweet, beautiful, perfect mother. And then at that point, I was yes, teary, big time teary. I was big time teary. Then I think I I, I got started when. He asked his dad to tell mom to wake up. Cause, uh, hey Simba, don't hit me with that line. Hey, you know we're vulnerable. We're millennials. We grew up with the Lion King, and that line is below the belt. <laughs> You're cruel for that. <laughs> I don't need that right now. Oh, good, good for you, eighteen again for getting the tears flowing. Yep, getting the laughs, getting the tears. Didn't see it coming. You did good job. Oof, that's all my notes. Do you have anything else? Um, I think we covered it. You know, I got my 
once weekly feminist ranting. I uh, we got to talk about you know mental health journeys. So this it's been a we've we've covered some ground this episode. We've covered some ground, and I am sweating through my shirt. So it is time to wrap up. Let's do it. Let's get out of here. If you guys want to talk more about 18 again, these four episodes specifically, or just, you know, in general, just no spoilers yet. Ah, just kidding. By the time this comes out, we'll be pretty much done. But anyway, we love to talk to you guys about stuff. So if you want to talk about 18 again, email us at playonkpodcast.gmail.com. You can leave comments directly on the episodes at playonk.com, where you can find all of our past episodes, sign up for our newsletter, or find links to our affiliates like Blueberry, Skillshare, or NordVPN. Yeah, and then we also are on most platforms that you can find podcasts. If you rate, review, and subscribe at any of those places like iTunes, Spotify, and you can't leave reviews there, but... um you know, you get the gist. We're in a lot of places. If you rate, review, and subscribe, we really appreciate it. It really helps us out. It helps other podcast listeners find us. K-drama podcast listeners find us. Nailed it. Second try. <laughs> one warm up. If you want to support us on Patreon, there's a link on our website, or you can go directly to patreon.com slash play on K, where you can find all of our bonus content. And just support the show. Tell us you're listening and that you want us to keep going yeah and then uh we are on social media check out our accounts instagram we're at play on k podcast twitter we're at play on k and you know just see what's happening there if you want to do like little quick baby haze little tiny haze little little tiny tiny haze hey hi um thank you as always for listening we will see you next week for episodes 9 through 12 of 18 again Yeah. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.